adventure has a name. It must be Indiana Jones. From Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You don't believe me. You will, Dr. Jones. Scott White, and I have two special guests with me this time. I have uh, Mr. Miguel Sanchez and Mr. Edward Ball. Thank you guys for joining me. What's up? Thanks for having us. Now, just a little uh, behind the curtain, Miguel and I, we attempted to do this podcast last week, and we had a bunch of audio problems, so we couldn't use the audio, so we're doing it again, sort of like a marriage that's in trouble. To keep the spontaneity, we're bringing in a third person, and that's Ed. So Ed's right. going to be our spontaneity in this in this podcast. Uh, I'm the I'm the child that comes in. Yeah, <laughs> halfway <laughs> halfway through a marriage. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll say that. Have either of you? Uh, I'll start with Miguel. From last time, you said that you were not really familiar and by the way i tricked both you guys this is a dan Aykroyd film but he's in the movie for like 45 seconds yeah uh, like if that you know what i mean i think it was less than that <laughs> it might when, have been less than that when miguel told me it was the temple of doom you guys were talking about i was like i don't think dan Aykroyd's in that movie <laughs> and i've seen it so many times and of course i do know like when he comes in but it just didn't occur to me but <laughs> that would be the reason we were watching it but no complaints it took me several viewings to realize that that was dan Aykroyd. ah dr jones i'm our weber i spoke with your assistant uh, we managed to secure three seats but there might be a slight inconvenience as you will be riding on a cargo full of live poultry is he kidding madam the best i could do in such short notice Heavens, aren't you Willie Scott, the famous American female vocalist? Okay, so Ed, you said you've seen this before. Is yeah. uh, So are you familiar with the Indiana Jones character in the Indiana Jones movies? Yes, very much so. Uh, the Temple of Doom, in fact, was the very first one that I saw as a kid growing up. So I always thought this was like the first Indiana Jones. I saw it out of order. I saw this one first, and then I saw The Last Crusade, and then I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then when I saw The Last Crusade, because it starts with him as a young kid, I thought, oh, this must be the very first Indiana Jones. <laughs> so, and then, wow. the, yeah, so it was like a weird cycle, but then I got it figured out in my teens. You know what, I will say, though, like, the whole franchise, like, the timeline of the franchise of the movies, like, it is kind of like this wackadoo order, like... 
Temple yeah. of Doom is meant to be like a prequel to the first one, and then like the last one is like before and after. It's like a lot to keep up timeline wise. So as a child, I would imagine that would be very confusing. Yeah. And the last two, uh, or rather the first one and the last one, focus on Nazis, where as the second one there are no Nazis. So I no. I also thought it led into the World War, and that's why we started seeing Nazis a lot more. Again, thinking Temple of Doom was the first one, but there you I go. I also uh, realize both of you are, neither one of you are acknowledging uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. As uh, what? As <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I've seen that movie. That was the, for me, that was the very first Indiana Jones movie I saw was Kingdom of the Skull. And I was already not interested in seeing the Indiana Jones movies we got drugged to this movie and I thought it was real dumb. I was like, wow, this is what everyone's so hyped about. Uh, but finally I sat down and I watched uh, at least the first two uh, recently. And I have to say, I kind of get it. The second one especially has been my favorite so far. But So you haven't seen, what's the third one, Ed? The Last Crusade. You have not seen The Last Crusade? Not yet, uh, but I'm planning on it. You know, I watched the first two, so I figure I'll get the third one. And then probably go back and watch the fourth one, but just because I like Shia LaBeouf. Dan Aykroyd's in this movie for like 30 seconds or something. How do, Ed, you being an Englishman yourself, what did you think of Dan Aykroyd's, was it an English accent he was doing? I think it sounded like a Dan Aykroyd, it sounded like Dan, a Dan Aykroyd trying to do an accent. It was just so, <laughs> and I mean, his dialogue is so quick, he's just like, and he's yelling over a plane. It, it's, it mostly just sounds like Dan Aykroyd. You know what I mean? Like right. having having gone back and watched it now, like looking for Dan Aykroyd, I was just like, yeah, that that's him. I, like no mistaking. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it seems so. Well, I guess it makes sense. It's just like one of those cameos that you'd expect to see in a Steven Spielberg movie. I guess. I read that he and so. Spielberg were friends, and like I think Scott, you were telling me last week that he and Spielberg did a movie together. Yeah, yes. 1941, right? Yes, he directed 1941, and Steven Spielberg also had a cameo in the Blues Brothers. So yes, they did have a previous working relationship. Now, and speaking of English accents, Ed, this is something. Whenever I watch a TV show or movie where there's an Englishman in America and they speak to an American, the American always answers back in a fake, over-the-top English accent. Does that run, Do you run into that in everyday life? I mean, yeah, honestly. Uh, it it's does. like a constant barrage of, <laughs> you know, as soon as people realize that's what you talk... I, yeah, I could, I mean, I could go on a huge tangent on examples <laughs> of, ran, like, random examples of people who just pick up on it and then quickly decide that it's an opportunity for them to stretch their uh, linguistics and their accents, you know. <laughs> and it's usually terrible, sometimes offensive, but because, uh, <laughs> like, a lot of people just instantly go, good day, mate. It's like, <laughs> that's the wrong country. Or not even close. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. But, uh, so, yeah, yeah, it is a thing, absolutely. What was your guys' both overall take of this movie? Miguel, we'll start with you first. What was your overall... Because you said you watched Raiders of the Lost Ark first, and then you watched this one, and you said that you enjoyed this one better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
I did. So I watched the first two back to back because I wanted to have like context going into the second one. I didn't realize up front that the second one was meant to be a prequel. Otherwise, I kind of would have watched it in the other order, maybe. But uh, I went into the first one like totally like I just need to soak up Indiana Jones, understand the the general idea of the story, and it was a good. You know, I'm not saying it was like a bad movie or anything, but I was just kind of like in and out of it. I checked my phone a lot more, you know. Uh, but this movie, like about you know maybe ten twenty minutes into it. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the first thing was, but I just remember like I'm hooked. Like it, it got me sucked in, and for like the majority of the film, oh, I remember what it was it's when they meet the uh, they go to the palace and the, that assassin like sneaks out from behind the shadows to strangle Indiana Jones. I was like, <gasps> you know, I was like on the edge of my seat, like, oh no, please, Indian, no, don't die. Uh, and from that point on, I was like in it for the rest of the movie, and it was so far my favorite Indiana Jones movie. Uh, what about you, Ed? What's your take on the movie? Now you've seen since you've seen all four. Uh, what's your ranking of this movie, and what do you think specifically of this movie? Um, I again, I don't know what it was, but like as a kid, I mean, see, Miguel didn't grow up with this, but I did grow up with Indiana Jones, and he was like the alter ego, or just the polar opposite of James Bond, or the American version of James Bond, if you will all the hype that most people give the movies, like, I was all into. He's just, like, this kind of rough hero, like, but he's, like, an average Joe. Uh, so I I loved it. I loved the idea of, like, uh, you know, his shirt's torn and he's got a machete and, you know, he's just bare fist fighting these guys and, you know, he saves the kids at the end of the movie, which is, you know, it's a lot of... Yeah, it's well, just all so, those wonderful tropes of the Indiana Jones. We'll talk universe. about this later, but this was a very, very, this was a very dark movie. Oh, it uh, definitely gave me nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, for sure. Uh, like, the snakes, uh, like, when they're eating the snakes, uh, that thing really freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, why would anybody do that? The main bad guy who rips hearts out. Yeah, I can't think of his <laughs> Motoron or something. Yeah, yeah, that dude was terrifying. Yeah, and that was like there's such a vivid. It's like such, it's become such like a iconic look, but it's such a vivid look of a villain. You know, you don't really forget it. It's like flame and hellfire, and yeah, ripping people's hearts out. And no, it was very. It was a huge contrast because, in essence, the bad guys of the first and the third movie were businessmen. Yeah. Yeah. Suits, uh, uh, you know, being evil, but it's such a huge contrast. See this guy with his bald head painted red and that those that helmet with the huge horns. So yeah, it was it was really really scary and really really. Now Spielberg said he got a lot of he got a lot of uh, grief and it got a lot of guff because this movie was so darker and was more violent than the first one. So the. The third one had violence, but it had more cartoony violence than this one. Yeah. Did you two enjoy the darker theme as as adults? Uh, I'm sure as kids it sort of freaked you out. But being older, when you've watched it the second time, or for Miguel the first time, did you enjoy the darker theme as opposed to the sort of lighter moments in, in one and three? I absolutely loved it. Um, like I said, watching the first one, it was good. Uh, but the second one, I was like thrilled, you know, like, every step of the way, 
I, I thought there was legitimate danger around every corner, every every trap or you know uh, bad guy he runs into, you know could be the last. Uh, my wife was making fun of me because I think like nine, ten times throughout the movie, I would just like gasp out loud, and uh, she was like, "You're really into this movie," and I'm like, "I am." Like I didn't touch my phone the entire time. I was super into it. I'm proud uh, of you. And the fact that it was, uh, you know, thank you, Ed. I appreciate that. The fact that it was violent, uh, you know, it's not like I'm looking for the most violent movie to watch all the time, but it just gave it like more weight, more, you know, you you thought that he was in danger at every turn. Yeah, uh, and it's but. Uh, I guess it didn't occur to me. Yeah, as an adult, you you can definitely see the darker themes to it, but there's still equally that kind of adventurous fun that mm-hmm. continues through, uh, throughout Indiana Jones. You've got the the kid sidekick, yeah, uh, in uh, short, uh, short round, who who you know is the luckiest kid in the world, <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so in that, it's still fun, like, there's still the adventure, it's kind of more, I don't know, secluded to this one area, you don't have the world traveling, and I think, like, you you can tell that in this movie, being follow-up to the first one, they're really just trying to show more of the adventures of Indiana Jones, yeah, and, like, Indiana Jones doesn't fight the Nazis again, which is why I'm sure they went back to it in the third one, after getting all that flack for the second one being so different, but I don't know. It, out of so many franchises and stuff, the original three Indiana Joneses were so consistent in their tone, I feel like. I mean, that's how I feel. They're, they're just like equally adventurous, uh, equally thrilling, each in their own way. I mean, uh, Raiders has some pretty startling moments, and there's some pretty scary moments in the third one. Which I won't spoil for Miguel, but thank you. It's um, it's it's just always fun. I mean, it always comes back around to Indiana Jones saving the day. But yeah, like to Miguel's point, uh, he definitely felt more endangered in this one, uh, especially when he was like, uh, I guess, possessed is the best way to mm-hmm. um, you because you hate to see that and you like the. Uh, the moments between him and Short Round, you really feel that uh, kind of relationship, and you're just like, "Come on, Indy, come back!" Like, you, you see this story through Short Round's eyes almost. Right. Uh, you, uh, Miguel, uh, Miguel touched on that. The scenes between Indy and Short Round uh, are very, very touching when he's begging Indy to come back. Yeah, you you feel that kind of gut punch. You know, they've been friends the entire time. He says something. He's like, you know, Indy, you're my best friend. And it's I love just you. like he's so yeah he's so earnest and sincere when he says that and you just feel like oh man I don't want that kid I want him to get, I want them both to get out you know what I mean I want them both to succeed <laughs> and you feel bad you feel just as bad as as short round when he has to like beat up Indiana Jones to get him yeah. to like come back to his senses uh, he and when so he like too. when he turns around and like sees him and he just winks at him you're like ah yeah ah yeah. Cue John uh, Williams. <laughs> yeah, that was a cool. That was a cool moment. Indy, I love you. Wake up! Indy! Wake up! You're the best friend. Wake up, Indy! Wait! Wait! He's mine. 
Ed just brought up the music. John Williams for all four movies. I mean, what did you guys think of the music? I don't just, think you can say anything bad about John Williams' score. <laughs> it's iconic. I knew I knew that before I knew anything about Indiana Jones. Ba da da da, ba da da. You know what I mean? That just sticks right. with you. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I can never complain about it. Uh, you know, Raiders. I mean, all all of the movies have the great moments where the tune or the Raiders march kicks in, and mm-hmm. it's just very just powerful stuff like when like Miguel was saying like when he kind of goes good and you hear that tune and it gets all like yeah and you know like things are gonna turn out okay I feel like it's maybe Temple of Dune has less of those moments I guess but it doesn't detract from the the score itself Mm -hmm. You know, we were talking about Short Round a second ago, and it's got me thinking about how Short Round and the character of, I believe her name is Willie, um, yes, are kind of like this, you know, double of a trio that is Indiana Jones and the other two. You know, Indiana Jones has these partners in this movie, and in the last one, you know, he had a couple of, uh, you know, he had a friend, I can't remember the guy's name, you know, that was helping him out here and there. Sala. And then he had, Sala. Sala. And then he had uh, Marion. You know, who, who was also there uh, fighting kind of side by side through the last chunk of the movie. Uh, but in this one, you know, he had like companions throughout the whole story. Uh, and I thought that really gave him uh, a lot to play off of. So it wasn't just him, you know, not, I don't, not that he scowls or anything, but you know what I mean? Just like being solo Indiana Jones. It was yeah. to have other characters to play off of. Like he, it's funny how he's willing to take short round, but not Willie on this adventure. <laughs> but, um, I'm curious, Miguel, a lot of the backlash of this movie came from that character, Willie, who at the time uh, had started dating uh, Steven Spielberg, right, Scott, I believe, or something like that? Yes, they actually, they met on this movie. And uh, yeah, they're married to this day. Yeah, they're married to this day, but this is the movie they met on. Yeah, so, and a lot of people, including myself, I mean, found her pretty irritating, but what about... What was your first reaction to that? Because, uh, because uh, Marion, from the first movie, is a very, very strong female character. Yeah. And this is produced by George Lucas, who did Star Wars. And Princess Leia is a very, very strong character. And like Ed was saying, yeah, what, what, what were your thoughts? I'm sorry. I, 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 no, I, I agree. I, that's exactly how I feel. Like, you come from Indiana Jones, uh, Raiders of the, the Lost Ark, and... Marion is just from the jump, the very first scene, the moment she's introduced, she's like a badass. She's carrying her own. Indiana Jones shows up and she smacks him across the hand, not because she's like being emotional, you know what I mean? Uh, You know, she's putting her foot down and for the the chunks of the movie that she's in with him, she goes, you know, toe to toe with him. She, she can, she can hang. And it was just like a departure from that um and while i like i like the idea of like there being a character that's maybe a little slapsticky or silly or funny or lighthearted, because this movie is so dark um it was just kind of like a bummer to see willie be so featured and her be such a like a helpless not even like super damsel i guess she was a damsel in distress towards the end of the movie but you know overall she's just like a silly wacky character that's not really adding anything to the script other than just um humor well, to me, the best humor in Indiana Jones is the subtle. 
just it's like when Indiana Jones is climbing the side of the mountain and they're shooting arrows at him and he just looks over his shoulder and gives a what the yeah <laughs> just little stuff like that but she's yeah she's very slapsticky uh, the dinner scene she's like fainting and the bit in the jungle she's running around screaming uh, right I, every little thing she runs into all the while you've got Indy and Short Round playing cards and Short Round's cheating. Where did you find your uh, little bodyguard? I didn't find him, I caught him. What? Shorty's family were killed when the Japanese bombed Shanghai. He's been living on the streets since he was four. <laughs> I caught him trying to pick my pocket. Didn't I, Short Stuff? The biggest trouble with her is the noise. You know, this, these these characters are very up to type. You've got the the evil Nazis. You've got the uh, competing archaeologist. You've got mm. the uh, you got short round, the sidekick kind of thing. And I mean, he always has some kind of fun friend, and then an annoying friend, or kind of like a screw up. Um, and then you got Indy, who's just the epitome of manhood, I guess. And everyone like you just want to be him. In a lot of ways, but um, Willie kind of just falls in the place of the annoying fish out of water, I guess, because she never adapts at any point. And she didn't need to go when they <laughs> when he kidnaps her and gets the antidote to the poison that he's that he uh, took. My father's. I'm how how old are you, Miguel? I just turned thirty. And how old are you, Ed? I, I am 30, yeah. So, okay, so I'm almost as old as both of you. I'm 51. So I saw this I saw this movie in the theater. And there's a scene at the beginning of the movie where Indiana Jones, he's making a trade, and the bad guy gives him something to drink. And even, I was like 13 or 14 at the time. And I'm like, don't drink it, it's poison. Mm -hmm. And I knew that at 14. But anyway, I digress. Once Indiana Jones gets what he needs from Willie, she doesn't need to get on the plane. She does not need to go on this adventure. She can just stop. She's not in trouble. She can still work in Shanghai as a singer, which is... So just her going on this adventure, in the first, it doesn't make any sense. She's like, I'm not getting on the plane. Yeah, and or just like, leave her in the car. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Take her to wherever she needs to... Oh, wait, a short round was driving the car. I guess, yeah, she would need a cab, but yeah, there was no need to take her on. It was like almost a hostage situation. I don't know what Indy expected out of it. Yeah, and her her character is inconsistent. 
because she's all about money. But then she's like, why are you doing this? And, and he's like, it's for fortune and glory. Well, I don't see why you're... It, it's like she's about money, and then she's not about money, and then it's about money. So she's very inconsistent throughout the film as well of what her motives are, why to do things. Well, she was had to marry that young Maharaja to uh, get all his wealth, but then <laughs> I guess decided against it when she saw he was a boy, But which is good. We don't need to... Yeah, that's <laughs> encourage that, Steven Spielberg. Um, that's you know that's crazy to me that she's married to Steven Spielberg. I never knew that. Oh yeah, like you said, Ed, she got a lot of backlash for yeah. this movie. Um, and Steven Spielberg. That's, that's like, why he. That's why he went back. It's it's like this perpetual loop in Hollywood where he did Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then he wanted to do something different, so he went darker. And people were like, well, this is a Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to, you're really pigeonholed. I mean, he really wanted to do something different. He did. He just got dumped on by everybody. So it's really, really hard to do anything new. There's, uh, there's more CGI in this movie than the other movies. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of the CGI? How does it hold up? Did it take you out of the movie at any point? Go for it, Miguel. I was, uh, last time we talked about this, I was saying it was so minimal and it was so, like, you know, appropriately used um, that it's it's almost like you don't notice the CGI when it does happen. Uh, but if it, if it is, it's kind of, like, off in the distance and it's not something that's taking away from, like, what's happening in the scene. Uh, it's incredible the amount of practical effects that Hollywood used to use, you know, compared to today. You know, I, I was mentioning, like, you go see an Avengers movie, and even if they're, like, in an apartment building or in an office building, you know, for some reason, there's, like, three walls of CGI. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe the table is real. Um, but here, you know, the effects being, you know, almost the entire movie practical, uh, you know, the CGI, the little bit of CGI here and there, like them climbing on the side of the mountain to get away, um, it's forgivable because the rest of the movie looks so good. They... In movies like that, and of course, like Star Wars, I mean, I think George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were definitely the, the the front runners of pushing all things technological back then. I mean, there, there was always some sort of spectacle with each movie. Like in the Raiders, it was like the melting heads and the ghosts and stuff, which was kind of typical. It's terrifying. Like effects, yeah. Uh, and then uh, in this one, I you know, I think the most jarring part, honestly for me that stands out is like when they jump off of the plane uh in the in the blow up raft and it cuts to a shot of them going down the slope yeah yeah and it's yeah. just clearly you've got like a screen behind like a screen. <laughs> and yeah. they're just like <laughs> it's pretty bad but honestly like when the like miguel said when the action is happening like you're so invested in it you barely you barely notice but yeah, that that would probably be the one thing that stands I, out to me. But otherwise, it, it kind of just fits in to the look of everything. You you kind of forgive it for all its shortcomings, even though it's not that bad, honestly. Also, when you're sitting there thinking like this movie came out in the '80s, like this is like this was on par for the graphics at the time. And yeah. again, it's like used in a way that it's not so jarring. But I want to say that that I forgot about that scene where they jump out of that plane is the most ridiculous scene of the entire movie, and I'm glad it <laughs> happened so early on. 
Yeah. Because if that had, you know what I mean, if that had been the vibe for most of the movie, I'd be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? Like, shortly after that, I was, like, sucked right in. I was like, I'm into this. I want to finish this. <laughs> yeah. If that had been, like, the climax. Yeah, I would be like, oh, God, this would, we would be having a totally different conversation about yeah, the CGI. Because so it was different. really bad. Um, it was just a silly moment. But yeah. everything in the Temple of Doom whoo, was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. The the whole the the set of that uh, that mine, I guess, where yeah. the kids are digging. The whole thing, the fact that they have that, it's uh, just like one giant physical structure with the water and everything. Like that's so so cool. And to see the fight go out and like that big fight with the with the big guy on the uh, conveyor belt uh, too. That was now I uh, that that guy in the big guy in the conveyor belt. He was the same big guy who got chopper blades in his face in uh, Raiders of Lost Ark. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but that scene uh, with the conveyor belt scene—it's really, it's really, really jarring when this guy gets sucked under the wheel, and not only do you hear his bones crush, but you see him just like thinking <laughs> when he's going under. It's yeah. Like, it, yeah. It's a wow. Yeah. It's dark. And you know, with like, you know, present day movies, like I feel like the internet and everything, I'm pretty desensitized to things like that. You know what I mean? But if you go back and you think about like watching this movie in theater at the time, especially like the sensibilities of, you know what I mean, the day or whatever, that would be some pretty like, this is some R rated shit. And this movie's PG, you know? Yeah. Well, well this, was, this was the first movie that pushed the boundaries to why they created the PG 13. When it came out, because it was so violent, but it, you know, it was Indiana Jones, so they didn't want it to have a higher rating. So after, I think it was after this that they came no, out with the PG thirteen. You are absolutely right, Ed. This was the main cursor of getting the PG thirteen rating. Uh, and look at it like this: this movie is eighty four. Spielberg's, I believe, if it's not his, his movie before this was ET, which was eighty two. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are, th- well, a lot of people still had E.T. on the mind, Steven Spielberg, E.T., and even Raiders of the Lost Ark, even though there's that um, scene with the chopper blades, for the most part, it's just people getting pushed out of cars, except for the face-melting part at the end, right, uh, yeah. for the majority. So yes, they were really, really shocked, and of course, the famous heart ripping out, yeah. heart ripping out scene, that caused a lot of uproar with parents uh, i'm sure i you know yeah you bring your kid to a movie thinking it's gonna be one thing and then the guy gets his heart sucked out and he's like you know screaming and getting lowered into lava yeah that's pretty i'd be like god damn it now i'm gonna have to deal with nightmares all night it's, it's gonna be keeping me up all hours having, having to explain human sacrifices right yeah this is like some pretty mature themes for a pg movie <laughs> it's all good fun it's the spirit of adventure <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you said before that scene on the bridge where he's trying to, where the bad guy's trying to tear out Indy's heart. 
you thought that even though you knew, yes. well, you tell the story. Yeah. Yes. So, like, testament to Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. Like, I like I said, I started this by saying like my the very first one I ever saw was the fourth movie. Like, I know Indiana Jones is safe the entire time, but like <laughs> through all of this, like Temple of Doom, the minecart, the bridge, they're hanging on the edge. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, is he gonna make it? And then like when this bad guy who is pretty terrifying, this like whatever whatever his name is. And then he starts doing, like, I just saw him rip another guy's heart out, and then he just puts his hand on Indiana Jones' chest. I'm sitting there like, like, no, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> and I'm just like, I think it's a testament to this movie that I'm, it's still very much, you know, worthy of watching. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. It does. <laughs> with the alligators down below and everything yes i was like terrified that this was it he was gonna die here in this moment and that was the end of the franchise (laughs) what a bummer that would be (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, I'd be like, what was the third movie about? Who knows? Sean Connery, I guess. Uh, short Round, All Grown Up. Yes. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, we we have that. Yeah, we have our James Bond connection for our, our next one, yes, uh, Sean Connery. Is there a favorite, did you guys have, a, what's your, is, is somebody have a parakeet or a bird? <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, I am on my porch. I can move inside. Okay. No, no, that's good. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's like he's in the jungle, you know. So yes, it's just like, well, Indiana is in the. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. So Ed brought up a great point about this one. Uh, most Indiana Jones movies is uh, globe trotting, mm-hmm. yes. all over, and this one was condensed into the Temple of Doom. It sort of had a Die Hard vibe to me. The first one where he's trapped in one place. Totally. Totally. It's like, what I like about Indiana Jones and John McClane from the Die Hard movies is you see these guys get the crap kicked out of them. I mean, Indy gets turned evil. And unlike uh, most James Bond movies or, or at, you know, at the time, Stallone, a lot of those guys, did you like the realism of our, our good guy being fallible? Yes. Uh, that was one thing that I always definitely enjoyed and what bothered me about James Bond up until, you know, the recent movies as a kid, um, like Bond would usually come out with not, but a little scratch on his head out of these most intense situations. And his enemies would always just be beating the crap out of no problem. Um, like pretty much all the bonds up through most of Pierce Brosnan, pretty much like, he usually came out unscathed, minus Timothy Dalton here and there. But yeah, I always liked that Indiana Jones would get pretty roughed up. Like uh, he was that's... a real human. Yeah, exactly. He like in Raiders of the Lost Dark, he has that scene with Marion on the boat where yeah, he just like fought twenty Nazi soldiers off of the truck. So he's a little sore, and you know he's got all these bumps and bruises, and he just wants to lay lay down and 
that, like I said, that that rough look where he's got his shirt sleeve torn off, and you know, he's just yeah, it just screams like hero and machismo or whatever. Yeah, no, I've always that's a very specific like of mine. I don't know. I guess I never thought much of it as a kid, but you know that you mention it as like absolutely I love that he gets roughed up I guess it just doesn't seem real and there are no stakes if you know you don't see the hero endure some sort yeah you know and you come out of every situation unharmed yeah it's definitely it's definitely very cool and it's like you know someone mentioned like man's man earlier is you know you really feel that you're like oh I want to be Indiana Jones you know what I mean like that would be so cool to do. Flip that whip. <laughs> get, <laughs> yeah. Get that rock or whatever. Now, one of the re- my one of my personal takes on why this movie is a prequel and not a sequel is we see um, we see Indiana and Marion together at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I don't think people wanted to see them apart. So if we set this before that, that way he could have it as he could have his fling with Willie. What did you think of the chemistry between Kate Capshaw and Harrison Ford? It just kind of goes back to that whole like how annoying Willie is. You kind of get the impression also through like short rounds impression of her. It's like that's one of those James James Bond moments uh, where you know Indy just gets a new girl every time kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially after going from one movie to the other, you're just like, oh, okay, well, they're just going to switch up the characters uh, each time or the love interest or whatever. But, like, watching that movie as an adult, I definitely just felt like Indy's just trying to get laid. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, she's, she's, she's tagged along for this long, and she annoys the shit out of him and almost got him killed a few times. Um, unlike Marion, who kind of just fends for herself, um, it's like she's just like an accident waiting to happen. So he, like, she's there in the middle of the jungle. So why not make out with her at the end of the movie? It's your rounds, like, oh god, here we go. Uh, and, and you were you reminded me of something just now. Um, she was always a vulnerable short round is always vulnerable indiana jones is kind of like this guy going through the world doing his own thing and when he has these other two in tow it really makes these uh tricky uh situations that much more so because he's always having to turn around and make sure that short round is there or that willie is not you know what i mean about to drown herself or something i feel like the best example being like when they're going through the tunnels and then him and short round get locked in that chamber it's up to Willie to release them, and she's got to put her hand through all those bugs and stuff. It's just like high, high intensity. And you're just like Willie, just do it. But just also, it's awful. It. I don't want to do it. It's disgusting. They're like bugs everywhere. No, I mean, I would, I would probably hesitate, but also just like hurry up with it, kind of thing, and get them out of there. But yeah, that's one of those high stakes moments in this movie where I guess having this like silly character and then a young kid in the situation
right, your other right. Oh, what on your right? I'm inside. I can't do it. You can do it. Feel inside. So yeah, I mean, to that, I I would say like yeah, it's to have those characters around. It helps put him in those situations. Not everybody's like gonna take care of themselves when they first get in that room. Indy can get out, but he has to go back for short round. So if it was just him, he could have he could have gotten out of that room. But he, yeah. has to, he has to look back. He has to go back for short round and. In doing that, now they're both trapped in the in the cave or whatever, the tunnel or whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. The stakes are really high because there's other people that he can't let, you know, get yes. hurt. He can get hurt a little bit, but, you know, that's on him because he's making this decision. But, you know what I mean? He can't let, you know, these other two that are just in tow be injured mm-hmm. or get hurt. Now, do you think this is, from what we knew about Willie's character... Do you think she really would have put her hand through all those bugs? It's like she's only known him for a couple of days. She's <laughs> dragged her to God knows where. If these guys are gone, you know, she's... Hey, she's I could just go... I could just go on my own way. <laughs> now, you talk about, about a dark movie. That would have been dark. Okay, yeah, that would have been. been like, let's let that kid in there die. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, like a pretty unconscionable person at that point. And also considering, like, she's in this very secluded place that's very ominous, that walking through these tunnels with creepy crawlies, like, maybe he's just the only way to get her back out of it. I don't know. Yeah, it's like the only way out is through or whatever. Or just like Indy, she just wants to get laid at the end of it. Maybe. (laughs) That's where... (laughs) That whole thing led to. She doesn't want to be a child molester and go after the Maharaja. No, no so, she's like, no, the, the grown man will do, thank you. Yeah, which is a good call, Willie. Well done. Question, a couple of questions. One, what did you think of the connection, the chemistry between Willie and Short Round? And look through 2020 eyes, do you think Short Round is a racial character, uh, a racist character, uh, the way it was played or the way it was portrayed? Like, stereotypical. Yeah. I've seen that, you know, sometimes it's hard to argue with points like that, and then it's hard to not just, like, let yourself get lost in nostalgia, I guess, because Short Round is such a fun character uh, and such a good companion for Indy that... Frankly, they, people have tried many a time to 
recreate in action movies, like having little companions. Uh, and usually the kids are terrible or annoying. And I think short round, and also having seen like interviews with the kid and seeing him in other movies, that's just the way he talks. So it's not like it were he was an, an American actor and Steven Spielberg said, "I want you to do put on like that a, accent. put on yeah. that accent." That he got cast in that role because that's just genuinely who that, he was. That's how he was. See, like short round is short round in real life, or at least he was as a kid, and that's why Steven Spielberg cast him. Uh, at least that's what I've read and heard. And to that point, I feel like I don't. I don't think, I don't know, I don't think there's anything so outlandish or out, uh, offensive to his character or role, uh, especially the role he plays in the story. Um, and they, they even have like a nice little setup to how him and Indy ever became introduced. Indiana Jones, that kind of character who, you know, he catches a, a boy trying to pickpocket him, so he kind of takes him in as a friend and a, a son figure almost, but not quite because, I don't know, Indy doesn't strike you as a good father, just us Shia LaBeouf. But, um, I will say, now that you, you say that, I feel a little bit better because last time we talked about this, I didn't really have a solid answer. I, I wasn't sure how to feel. I had just watched the movie and I wasn't sure. Um, but the fact that you mentioned that like he auditioned as his character just kind of like as is and kind of just like walked on into the role... Um, it feels for me a little bit better. It doesn't feel like someone maliciously or, or like um, unknowingly doing something racist or yeah. super stereotypical. And thinking about through his like just the, his many lines in the movie, I never felt like he was saying really gross racist things. You know what I mean? Um, or being made fun of in a gross racist way. He was you know simply just interacting with the world around him as kind of like a a child would. Yeah. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't feel like a caricature. No. Of a culture. You know what I mean? Like, he just with, is short round. Yeah. That, like, short round, like now, if he was like a little person and he was being called short round, that would be problems. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But like, no, he, yeah, he just feel that knowing that it's just this kid talking like he normally does and he's not like spouting off racial like stereotypes and stuff like that it's just who the character is i feel like yeah and they also didn't do like lame jokes like all you know if he said like all white people look the same to me or or something they did they didn't do that which was which was this was i know this movie was set in the 30s but this movie was made in the 80s and if you watch 80s movies they are full of Gay jokes, black jokes, uh, you know, women jokes. It, it, it's just there was there was no filter in any movie coming out in the eighties. And I am not a fan of child actors. I don't, for the most part, kids in a movie ruin it for me. They, but I, I like short rounds. I like them. Yeah. I don't like. First of all, they're bad, and I don't like yes. the mo- I don't like movies where kids are playing adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, they're like they're more mature than the adult character. Yes, and here, short round 
tried to act big and tough, but when things got real, he dropped that facade and you know and became he a scared. Genuinely, yeah. genuinely, genuinely. So yes, for a child to be in the movie and for me to enjoy the movie and the child's performance, that's a that's a big deal for me. Scott, um, I have said that so many times. I, that is exactly how I feel about kid actors. Usually, they're bad. And usually, it, ta- it takes away from like a, a moment because you're like you're sitting there rolling your eyes, going, "Ugh, here we go." Yeah. But when you have like for me, it's when I feel concerned or I feel connected to that child. Like I feel like, "Oh, that's something from my childhood that I relate to." For me, in this movie, it was simply—I know I said this already—but just when he's so heartbroken about having to fight Indiana Jones, and when he says, "You know, you're my best friend. I love you." You know, you're just like, ah, he really delivered that. I felt it. I was caught up in teary in the moment. Yeah. And I I really enjoyed Short Round and Indiana Jones' relationship in this. Yeah. Now, as I said before, what about Short Round and Willie? What do you think of their scenes together? He was a little sexist towards her. You know what I mean? But Short Round, I think, because he's emulating his hero, Indiana Jones, also kind of treat like, hey, lady, you know, you, you treat him with respect, lady. But he's not calling her, you know what I mean, by her name. Yeah, right? you call him Dr. Jones. Right, uh, and you're just some silly blonde lady. Because, again, we're seeing it through his eyes, it's, yeah. uh, essentially. And, but, you know, that's just how Willie is written. You know, because, you know, it was a pet or whatever. However you look at Willie, it's just like, she doesn't come across well in a lot of ways uh and i mean if you're in short rounds situation maybe you would just be like who is this person right like <laughs> you are crazy <laughs> like why I are you over with us you are so loud <laughs> but you are so yeah, loud all the time yes yeah but you can't even fault him it's just like because willie is really just one of his characters who and i mean I just might be embittered because I've never like liked that character. Um, it's just jarring every time I watch her. But um, and I get it. But that's how she is written, and that's just how she's portrayed. So, out of all the Indiana Jones movies, she is the weakest female lead. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yes. Hey, is there a third? Uh, female lead in the in the third movie, like a, a third new person. We'll see. Yes, we we could tell you, but it would spoil things for you. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. All right, well, I'll have to watch the movie. Yes, and no, it's not Shia LaBeouf. No, it's not Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can watch this. Well, uh, you remember that, like Marion comes back in the fourth one, right? Miguel. That's what I thought. I do vaguely remember her being there because I remember her being like them making a big deal about her being there, and I was like, "Who is that? What is she?" Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the, they took a poll, and she was the favorite Indiana Jones gal. So I mean, thus far, yeah, for me, I, I would totally have loved to have seen her come back for a sequel where they team yeah. up again. What would have been cool for the fourth movie is if Shia LaBeouf showed up and Short Round, his real his real son, and his adopted son. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised that Short Round didn't come back. Is he still alive? That actor? He's alive. I just he, I just don't think he acts anymore. I think he was a child actor, and once he grew up, because uh, he, he was in Goonies. Yeah, yeah, but that's the only other movie I know that he was in was Goonies. But I haven't even seen that movie. Uh, favorite scenes. What are you guys' favorite scenes from the movie? Um, Go ahead, Ed. 
Oh, sorry. I've talked about it twice already, but I'll mention it again. When he like he's got his shirt all torn up, and he's got those two guys who come face to face with him with the swords, and like race for the last arc, he goes for the gun, but it's not there because who lost it? Willie lost it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one of my favorite moments, uh, and then the moment where. Um, all the kids are breaking the shackles and running away. And then, or no, it's when uh, Indiana Jones is like back to normal. And he's like, all right, let's go, all of us. No, no, and all, those, all those kids being set free. And no, no, that wasn't my favorite moment. Put that no, no, no. <laughs> Because that's when the job is done. But no, like when uh, it, it's like they're pushing a cart down the tunnel and that light slowly creeps up Indiana Jones and he's got his hat on. And then, like, he's about to have the fight in the in the uh, the mine kind of thing. That's just like pure pure iconography, right there. I uh, like I said earlier, the first time, and it was early in the movie that really like sucked me in, and I was like, that was really cool. Was after the back and forth between Indiana Jones and Willie, like, will they sleep together? Will they not sleep together? And they're like in their own rooms, like venting about that. Um, and just before he goes over for the last time, uh, you see like all these people painted on the walls behind him. And then as the camera kind of pans slightly, a guy steps forward from them as though he was like camouflaged and you didn't see him previously. And I literally jumped. I was like, Oh wow. I didn't see that guy. And it was like, you know, again, felt all that fear and danger all of a sudden about, Oh man, he's going to get Indiana Jones. And that's when I was like, okay, this is actually going to be a pretty fun film. Yeah that and just the the crushing him and, and short round and willie all in the tunnel where the back and forth of she's gonna you know she's scared of the bugs and he's like willie we're about to die in the, <laughs> you know and the thing like goes through his hat yeah you know, it's like so close to his face and you know that's like that's not how i want to go and this movie has a lot of that's not how I want to go. You know what I mean? Lava, fire. It's a lot of skeletons. So, you know, a lot of people went that way before that. <laughs> and it was not good. Yeah. Like he, like he yanks that skull down and wedges the door with the skull. You're like, what if that was my skull? That would be terrible. Like, desecrate me like this. Yeah, no. It was, there's a lot of good moments. But those two are just some of my faves. Just, it's just it was a little moment when they were doing the mine cart chase, and it's like it's a subtle humor. Indiana Jones is like, no, 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 the break. We got outrun them, and then they almost tip off, and he goes, All right, here, you take the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, I, I love, uh, I love subtle humor in these movies, which is why we said before the slapstickiness of Kate Capshaw didn't really, st- you know, it was sort of like. Uh, Sticking a Three Stooges bit in the middle of Casablanca. Now, now. He's looking at you, kid. Frankly! Totally, it was like two different films. Absolutely. You know, it just didn't quite go together. Harrison Ford is always so subtle in his humor. Like, because he just plays everything so cool. So, you know, all his little quips and stuff about willie it's just so funny to see him and then like when he's arguing back and forth short round two it's just fun more cooler indiana jones han solo Ooh. uh i know my answer <laughs> okay go I, ahead 
I I think I like Indiana Jones better than Han Solo. Uh, and I'm generally like a sci-fi guy. Like I like science fiction, you know, fun space movies. But the Star Wars movies are not my jam. I am just like I'm t- totally out of them. I did I missed the window, and therefore I'm just like not like I don't have that nostalgia factor at all for me. Uh, so Han Solo, while like I get his character, and yes, he's he's cool in the movies. I th- I really enjoyed Indiana Jones like ten times more. Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah I agree. Indiana Jones is just kind of the epitome. Uh, like I love Han Solo and stuff, but he's like a a smaller part of a much bigger story. I mean, whilst he he's like nobody else could really play him as good as Harrison Ford. Totally. Like Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones. He is the epitome of the action hero. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely indie for me. And his iconography throughout those first three movies are just kind of embedded in your mind. There are so many heroic moments matched with John Williams' score. It's just a pretty unforgettable kind of character. Speaking of, because of John Williams' score, if you hear the score for Star Wars, you think of Star Wars. But when yeah. you think of the score of Indiana Jones, you think of the hat and the whip and the... That's right. You, totally, you think of the, totally. You think of the man... Star Wars, you think of the franchise. Indiana yeah. Jones, you think of the man. Yeah, totally. Um, Han Solo doesn't even really have his own theme. In the movies, he has one that they share with Leia. It's like the love theme between them, and that's it. So, yeah, it's definitely just from top to toe, everything about Indiana Jones is definitely more iconic. Yeah, because I believe it's Indy's theme. It's like, that's that theme is named solidifies it. That's Indy's theme, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had a great time watching this movie. I'm definitely looking forward to to rounding it out, finishing the third, so I have like a good, clear picture of this trilogy. You will um, not disappointed in the third. It's it's a very good movie. When we talked about it last time, like you know, the second one it stands out to me right now. It's my favorite, uh, and so often in trilogies today, it's really hard to nail that that landing. You know what I mean? That third movie. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that one. It comes with high praise. So before it before it reopened. It was, you know, it, it treads on similar territory with Nazis, but uh, it was also just kind of like the perfect ending for Indiana Jones. Like, literally, the final shot, and I, I'm not going to spoil it, but the final shot of the movie is so perfect. You're going to have a lump, when you see that final shot, Miguel, you're going to have a lump in your throat. Oh, that's exciting. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, All right. And if, so you don't, you... if you don't, you're dead. <laughs> I'm cold and heartless. Yeah, Miguel, you have a son. I do. And uh, Eddie, uh, do you, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, a boy or a girl? I'm sorry, girl, girl, no, girl. That's right. Okay, so would you? What age would you allow your kids to watch this movie with you? Mm-hmm. Temple of Doom, in particular. I uh, want to say uh, Indiana Jones. India. We'll start with Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first one. I this might be ambitious. <laughs> I'd say five or six. No, <laughs> no. Uh, at least the first one. The first one because it, it's just the the fun and the adventure of it. And 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. With as dark and scary as this one was, um, and honestly, like, there's, like, the kind of darker, not darker themes, but just, you know, like, the Nazis are not, like, something to just, like, you know, sunshine and rainbows, you know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I would probably, if we started the franchise and we were like, we're going to do an Indiana Jones marathon, I would probably, like, 10 seems like an appropriate age for, like, a boy, you know, he's, like you know can kind of handle the scary stuff you know and it's still young enough to like really feel that excitement you yeah. know what i mean and magic maybe so. i would do star wars sooner than indiana jones because it is totally. a lot more realistic and grisly obviously yeah um and you know that's just me being a movie nut and wanting to share all of my favorite totally. movies totally so maybe five and six are shooting a little low maybe seven to ten that's um, a little bit better because I'm just trying to think of when I first saw that movie, and I couldn't have been much older than that. Um, and it rocked my world then. So I agree, though. It is there is kind of an excitement about wanting to show your kid something that you enjoyed so much. And so I'm kind of glad I got the chance to watch these movies. Um, you know, I mean, while he's still so young, so that you know I can feel a little sense of excitement to show him these as well. He's not going to be a Star Wars fan, though, is he? No, he sure won't. Sorry. <laughs> That's not his fault. It's not his fault. <laughs> All right, we're, we're winding down here. Any last, any last things you want to say about this movie? Two thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> I, if anything, Scott, I would say thank you uh, for finally getting Miguel to start watching Indiana Jones because okay. I've been, I've been trying to get him on board with Indiana Jones the whole time we've known each other. <laughs> And yes, it was probably my fault that he started with the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Um, but now that he's finally starting to watch it and slightly appreciating it, uh, like goal achieved, and he wants to watch the third one. So, yeah. But you did. You did what I could never do. All right. Well, that's it. I appreciate uh, once again my thanks to Miguel and Ed for doing this with me. Once again, an extra thanks to Miguel for doing this again after we screwed up the audio last week. It was uh, fun. It was fun, and uh, just uh, honestly, guys, I, I haven't. Uh, last time I saw both of you was at Miguel's wedding. Uh, congratulations on that. You two are uh, two of my favorite people in the world, even though we you know we don't see each other as much as we should. And I had a blast doing this. And thank you guys for doing this, and thank everybody for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. We'll see you next time. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. (laughs) 